0: Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking the milk line. What is it? Why is it important? And what does it have to do with corn silage? In our spotlight, we'll take a look at the potentially changing market share of different soybean traits. Ag History Minute, we'll talk about the first day of fall. Cool beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. We'll wrap things up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomberg. Hey guys. Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. The choppers are coming. The choppers are coming. Get to the chopper. Finally. But, it's finally. Good,
1: finally time. Going strong, though, which is yeah. great. It's yep. always a good feeling when you see, you know, just trucks going, a lot of silage moving, a lot of choppers going.
0: Yeah, we've had a few starts and stops, but finally things are seem yeah. to be rolling pretty good in most places. So
1: And it seems like pretty good yields, pretty get hitting the moisture's about right. So been a good season that way where nothing I mean, obviously some craziness all always.
0: Yeah, there's still a lot of variability in, yes. in some yes. of these fields, but
1: yeah. I, I the one thing I haven't the insurance guy is they must be giving her because they you know when they got to leave the strips right and, but I haven't seen I haven't any seen of that anybody yeah no that's what I thought was odd too They're I haven't run into any of that maybe they got a jump on it maybe what? they just we signed really? off
0: like three months ago well, yeah, about, yeah. You know what? <laughs> zero don't zero. even worry about it
1: yeah and our the tilt silage research plots too in general were doing good got one more harvest to go but yeah got a lot of those off. Um, was with Derek yesterday while he was chopping some, and looked pretty good. And a lot, lot more what you'd expect, but there was a quite a bit of variability, varietal variability. So, which did you guys figure out your with,
2: acres per hour on the? Oh, uh, it's, chop, it's the, the research plot. You, you don't. Um,
0: I they, they they talk in terms of feet per hour. Yes. <laughs> no, with our Not acres,
1: the one row research chopper, and we're out there with the twelve row cloths going next to us, and we're just like, "You're welcome," you know. We're, <laughs> will we'll help out here. the tilth research no. shopper is the one percenter yes it's no, taking one percent of the core
0: <laughs> i don't
1: even no, think it's that <laughs> probably it's, not it's not about speed it's about the data that's right it's,
2: derek's got that thing rolling though like, yeah it, he's got it down to science third don't. year r-
1: running it and we do have it kind of a lot more figured out and how to do it and how to yeah even just how to keep it going and not plug and he added matt's idea adding a leaf blower to the shoot this year which yeah i was like you think a leaf blower really and derek said it works great so it's a good idea matt thanks yes it was very outside the box so keep air moving through the shoot and keep stuff going
0: yeah i was helping him test out before the season started and yeah just it seemed like it plugged way easy and then it was ridiculously difficult to unplug yeah. Like, we actually had to take the shoot off and yeah. then, like, pop the door. And it was crazy how little it took to plug, plug it up, too. I mean, it was, like, I stuck my hand in there expecting oh, really? I was like, going to have to, like, pull this giant wad of stuff out. Sure. And I was like, no, I, like, poked my finger through it, and then it all, and like, it fell good. out, and it was fine. The but, worst
2: part is when it plugs, you lose that whole Right, you lose rep. that rep of data. Right. So,
1: agreed that that's one thing when you plug, you know, back in the day, plug in a silo, or it sucks when you plug stuff. But this, you you lose. I mean, that's why you replicate data. So hopefully you don't plug on the same, <laughs> same, <rep. laughs> same rep. However, that has happened because a lot of times the you know the moisture is different in that sure. rep or something's different with that one. That we we have had it where he's plugged on the same one. So this, yeah, no plugs yesterday, so that was good. And Sweet, yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah, you don't have to climb a silo and this right. plugs. <laughs> yes, no, it's much easier. <laughs> The uh, Brewers are on a tear. They, What did I see? It was something on, on X or I'll Twitter. I'll give you a guess, Matt. I have it right here. The 80, 86 wins for the third straight year or something like that? It's
2: like the fifth. Or fifth three. The fifth yeah. sixth. And only like the Dodgers and somebody else. I yeah. saw that. Yeah. I got a different one. I okay, here's a different out. one. Yeah. Okay. So I'm old enough to remember when the Brewers got swept by the Dodgers. Yeah. You are too, by yeah. the way. <laughs> Do you know what their record is since? Like the Dodgers
1: record? No, our a record. Brewers
2: record since they got their ass kicked by the, by the Do- Dodgers. Dodgers. Uh, yep. I'm assuming it's pretty decent. It is really good. Okay. But I don't, I don't even know where it is. No guesses. Uh, right. even no. Guess. 21 and 9. Nice. Okay. So, so they they've been on a tear, tear since, since then. They're seven up on the Cubbies.
1: That's what's great. I I just kept seeing we play the Cubs the last three games of the year and if those games mattered, right. It's be really hard. You know, if they know they got to win all three, it's just like
2: your playoffs start early. Well, and what I was nervous about cuz I actually have tickets to that Saturday night game. Nice. The night before. Well, it's gonna yeah. And I'm thinking like, okay, the Cubs are in it, all these Cubs fans are going to buy up the tickets and then I'm going to go to the stupid game and have to sit next to three-quarters Cubs fans and listen to their (laughs) mouths all night. So I'm hoping they'll have the division wrapped up because their magic number is four. So any combination of Brewers wins and Cubs losses that equal four means they can't catch up. I'm hoping they just keep rolling and then the Cubs just can't even make it in the wild card either and they're sitting at
0: home. We should have like another 90-some years, right, before the Cubs are going to be good again. Yeah, right.
2: We need something,
1: another curse or something like that. <laughs> yes. I
2: found it, Matt. You found it? All right. Yep. So this was last night. Tonight marked the 86th win of the season for the Brewers, which is the sixth consecutive season with 86 wins, not including 2021. So they're not including the COVID, yep, st- COVID sure. year. Yep. Uh, during that stretch, the Dodgers are the only other team to do that. So consistency, that's the whole like bites at the apple. Like we're never gonna be three hundred million dollars, but we're always gonna be right there
0: and right have there, a chance. Yep. So what's I better? feel like
1: we're always the bridesmaid lately, which yeah. is I guess that's what you can hope for as a brewer fan. But
0: Russell Wilson is picked not, way back
1: in the draft.
2: It's not like the Padres it's or not the nothing. Dodgers have six World Series. No, like, you're right. You
1: know, These guys that not are winning either. No, right. or
0: the Yankees they're Yeah. So it's true. The Yankees. Yankees Who's yes. your favorite sports team, Todd? The Yankees. <laughs> He's one of the Yankees. Unfortunately, the Packers gave one up this last weekend, but it was close. It was a tight game. They had the lead going up until the last couple minutes, just couldn't quite finish, which we all knew was possibility. Young team. Young team. Everybody was hyping up because if they would have won, it would have been you know t- two in a row on the road. For the first time, and I forget how many years or whatever since.
2: Especially because the last two season openers, they've just been terrible. Off, right? Yeah. And they played really well in the season yeah. opener. The, or the Bears are there. I think bad. this.
1: Te- it'll be interesting this week and how this team responds from getting punched in the face. Because I think they do have a lot of swag, which is a cool to watch, and they almost need that close loss that they yeah. hopefully come together for, and you don't go on a and you had like. Streak.
2: Who was all out? Jones was out, Bakhtieri oh, was out Watson's out. Watson was out. Like you had You had a lot of guys. A lot a, of guys a key
1: out. guys out. And that then Jenkins got hurt. And, and if it, any of those guys are in, right. we probably win yeah. that
0: game. Yeah. And the yeah. difference really I think the big difference was Aaron Jones. I mean, AJ Dillon's not Aaron Jones. Right. He's, He's a jag, just yeah. a guy. Yeah. He played well, he but played by well, the but end,
1: it's like he still can't he win this game. He doesn't break He's, off
0: 40-yard runs. He doesn't have the he hands. He falls over. And he trips over the yeah, field. Right. Yeah. like, come on, man. Yeah, Because, like, yeah, that, that be. one, as I was listening to the radio, he must have, like, crawled ahead he, or whatever. He, like, tripped and then tripped got up. Tripped himself, got up, moved ahead. And they
1: reviewed it, and he didn't get tagged down. Right. But, yeah, it was... It was pretty sad, though, yes. Do you, do you guys think Bakhtiari is really hurt or just hates turf that much? I think he's hurt. Like, okay. They
2: said he had swelling and they were taking fluid I say, off I didn't, his leg. He is Sunday. a total
1: turf, like, yeah, hater, been, which is great. Yeah, very that I, vocal that I,
0: about his distaste for turf.
1: Right, which I, which I like that he's a big grass guy, but I don't think he would sit out just because of that. I don't think so
0: either. I think all things considered, I mean, Jordan Love is far from perfect, but he's doing well. And probably as good as can be expected for a guy who's literally had two his two starts as the starting quarterback. I mean, he started games before, like once or twice. But I mean, this was finally his his time to find himself, and I'd take him over Justin Fields for sure. Yes, over a lot of quarterbacks, <laughs> over a lot of right quarterbacks now. in the league. Right? So, so, and
1: yeah. and Lafleur is calling like who he is calling some plays, yeah. uh, or getting guys open, and that offense, sure, see, like, that's fun to watch. It seems like it's thought out. Now, granted, didn't the fourth quarter, it got rough where they had three three and outs, and you know, you're gonna stumble sometimes, but yeah. it was still pretty cool to watch when that is operating at,
0: at the 100%. You guys going to uh, the Luke Bryan concert down in Brooklyn? No. 20,000 people in somebody's farm field. Klondike Farms, man. They're yeah. hosting. So. It'd be, which is not the Brooklyn by Ripon. It's the Brooklyn south of Madison.
1: If it were the Brooklyn by Ripon,
0: that, that would, be would be pretty be cool. Because cool.
2: that is not really a... So is this like a...
0: Luke Bryan's doing like a farm tour thing ah. where he goes... He's doing this in multiple states, going to somebody's farm and doing a concert.
2: I always wonder how they pick these farms. like Or these venues, like when they pick just a random... Who's picking Brooklyn, Wisconsin, right? Like
0: I'm assuming yeah, there was some sort of application process of like certain requirements you had to meet or something to to get on this. Or maybe you just had to sign up. I don't know. Maybe. It's close to Madison,
1: so that makes sense. I mean you're thirty minutes from Madison. But there, like Matt and I were talking about this of how imagine how it was for tech days and the parking and getting everybody in and out. And that and, was a three-day event. This yes. is a
0: one-night-only type deal.
1: And, like, I, that whole thing with this just could be... And
2: we took two years to plan that.
0: Right. Still didn't right. I'm sure it. this right. was for
1: a while. But.
2: <laughs> I did hear a story way back when that the producers of the Field of Dreams movie, like, basically drove around Iowa. Like, just drove around looking... Looking for they, the right spot. Yeah. And then oh, that's okay. how they found the site. Like, they just drove around and, like, okay came around the corner. And if you've ever been there, it's like you come around this corner, it's like, you know, just like kind of cool, like just opens up. So I could see, that's why I wondered, like, do some of these people do that? Like they send somebody scouting around, like looking for the best
0: spot? Or- I'm sure, yeah. However it works, they have people that, a forward team or whatever that goes and like checks the place out, make sure you're not a crazy person that's going to try to kill the artist that comes to your farm and all that kind of stuff. Probably some pretty thorough background checks. It is pretty cool. I think
1: there's some sort of meals being donated or something like if he's partnered with Feeding America or something with like this. Too. Yep. So yeah, so it's there's, a cool. It's cool to what
0: they're doing. But is, like is, they're, doesn't he advertise for Fent or
1: is he Fent? Yeah, Fent
0: or John or John Deere. It's one of the two. I think I've seen stuff. So I'm sure they're. That whatever tractor company it is is a big sponsor of the event and probably making donations too for this whole thing. But uh, yeah. And the Badgers are a little bit different schedule this week. So you don't forget Friday
2: they play Friday, night. Friday nights. Yeah, so I'm oh like yeah, torn to like high school football, Badger football. It's like I'm torn. I should go to the high school football game with my phone and watch the Badger Actually, game.
0: There game. You, you have one earbud in. Yep. Yeah, that is new for
1: this season. That And that was a big controversy. Like, are you stealing, you know, Friday night was for high school football. Like, are you stealing that? And I, I do think that is a little...
0: If we were in weird. Texas, this would not stand. Yes. <laughs> they Nobody, would, not, they, would, they not would not put up with their no. Friday night lights is sacred.
2: Nobody cares about high school football in West Lafayette.
1: <laughs> it would be even weird to go... Yeah, like, I guess that would be kind of cool in college. Go to a Friday night game, maybe, but, yeah, it'd just be different. Opens up your weekend. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, then you get class till like, 3, so you can only pregame <laughs> sure. for a couple hours. Uh, <laughs> Son of a... Such a tight schedule. it be hard. It's important things. <laughs> yeah, you just skip the 3 o'clock class, or the class that ends at 3. Get your pregame going earlier. Yeah, how many college kids are going to no class Friday <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, Friday's skip day. Most of the time, so. All right, you guys ready to get into our topic for today? Let's do it. So we've been talking silage, we've been talking moistures, and we've mentioned our topic for today a couple times, but the milk line. What is the milk line? So, Todd, this was your episode this week. What do you got for
1: us? Yeah, what started this is I had a farmer send me some pictures of, like, the milk line, and he sent me, like, the butt end of the cob. (laughs) pictures so you it doesn't work you know when you get the yeah you just basically see the embryos then you don't see the true milk line and then we also had a big sort of debate on what like what one quarter milk line is or verse three quarter because you know where that sits so I wanted to kind of talk about
2: don't get it backwards what the right
1: yeah and you don't want to get that backwards you could really freak people out or the opposite where they're waiting when they shouldn't be waiting so I wanted to kind of Talk about what it was and kind of how you you look at it um, I've also which I learned is it's also called some people call it the starch layer those people I, are weird yeah that seems to be more in like actually Purdue had that <laughs> I believe so it's funny that we're playing them in football but there's different places that use milk line most use milk line especially when you're talking Excuse me silage that's but what the silage is for is to make milk so right. Why would not you call right. it the milk, the milk line? line, right? Whereas uh, some will call it the starch layer. So basically, it's the line that marks the boundary between the kind of more liquid, milky, and the solid, starchy areas of yeah. maturing kernels. So, you um, do you drink
0: the corn milk? I Ted?
1: you I do not. You could <laughs> you could you could. I, I don't think it, it would taste.
0: That's why great, sweet corn's good. Right, it's
2: got more milk to it. Is that zero milk line?
0: It better be. Yeah, you, yeah, You <laughs> yeah, don't want don't, milk line on your sweet corn. Chewy. Just a bit.
1: Yeah, and I, what I do like about milk line is to me it's one of the easiest so so this goes to basically R five soy or excuse me, corn stage. You know, some of the stages are easy where you count leaves or you look at this or that. And I do think the, the staging is quite easy, too, when you can use milk line. is really nice. Yeah. Well, it's a nice you, visual indicator. Right. It's, I don't think you got much better. You know, soybeans yeah. doesn't have it. Right. Wheat doesn't have it. <laughs> There's
0: no milk line in the soybean. No. There's just the rattle. Right, know? right. At the, at the end when you shake and so you know, the rattle. I, I do
1: like corn in that it has these indicators, which are really nice. So it's about 32 days after silking that the um, it'll kind of start beginning to be show this sort of denting around the crowns, and then you start to see that milk line. It is really hard at first to see, you know, when it's only like an eighth milk line, but you could kind of see the kernels start to dent. And um, moisture at that point is actually about 60% in that kernel yet. So it's pretty pretty wet yet, if you think about it, um, of how much we dry down from that to get to, say, 15 to 20% where we want to
0: combine corn. Am I the weird guy here? The only one that, like, yes, yes, you are. (laughs) When you get dented corn, like, because, like you said, it's hard to see the milk line, you scratch the outside and see if it is kind of hard on the edge. Sure, like,
1: you, so you, like, I'll never tried that. So you scratch the seed coat away, or, okay. Yeah,
0: so you just kind of scratch out the end and see if it's really juicy at the end yet, or if it's then then more vitreous.
2: Nope. I don't do that. All right, I am the weird guy. Yeah,
0: no, I'll, now that I know, you can do that. Business as usual. (laughs)
2: All right. I'll do that. On the out, when we talk about next week, spoiler alert, I do that on the bottom side of the kernel to find the black layer. Uh, Sure, sure. You pick away. Pick away,
1: yeah. So, yeah, with so then, sort of within about a week of this R5 stage, you'll start to see when you see that dent, then a very, you know, distinct horizontal line will appear on the kernel, like I said, called the milk line. And or the starch layer i don't think I don't think we're going for that we're but, done with that all right i won't it won't be brought up again, no more starch layer. it's weird, and he so just brought it up again, <laughs> so that line you could kind of watch you know fall down the tip reason you know if you're a grain farmer, maybe not as important because. But but it is good to watch it go down. you know. It's still a good it, indicator,
0: it, like, if you're wondering how far from black layer you yeah, are, you look at I, the break it open, and you can right. see.
1: I like it. It's like a, you know, almost like a field gauge where you can right. really watch it go down, which is cool. Like I said, soybeans, you don't have that wheat. You don't have that this. You have, like, okay, how close to black layer are we in?
2: And if you have a bad year like this year with late emergence, like, okay, are you nervous that your corn isn't going to make maturity or those couple of years that were really cool that corn really didn't mature you could be like okay i'm a grain farmer but i better watch my corn in case i gotta find an alternative solution if i can't take this to the elevator right
1: right so i think it does give you that really good that that's always hard when you're getting close to the end and it just hangs say at three quarter or half milk line and you're like oh no this is not gonna make it right and you can really see that which is nice whereas you know beans you don't see that and it it, it is nice to have that so this kind of gas gauge idea helps to think because what is tricky is it's sort of opposite though of your fuel gauge. So to so me, like, you like go empty to full, right? right, right, right. That's where it gets tricky.
2: That's where your starch comes in, right? Your starch is empty. Yes, and that's then you a good fill your fill tank with, with, with starch. With starch. Yep.
1: So yeah, like basically, you know, when you're at three quarter tank, we know where that is, you know, on our gas gauge. Well, technically, on a corn kernel that's more like a quarter milk line yeah right so kind of reads the opposite so you start with the quarter milk line then it goes to half then it goes to three-quarter then it's full you know or black layer is kind of the end so that is sort of the tricky part is you do got to watch it um, go that way down so there is people that you know even on egg talk I found a forum where they were talking back and forth and everybody basically settled on it starts with a quarter And if you start with three quarter milk line, you're wrong. So (laughs) it does start with a quarter.
0: Well, it is a little tricky too with the shape of the kernel to say where half is sometimes.
1: So I would agree with you on that. And I was thinking a lot about that is I would have people call half milk line that I wouldn't call half milk line. And I couldn't figure out why. And I think it is the triangular nature of that kernel that... You think about it as like not halfway the kernel. Right. You're not gonna be halfway sort of down isn't gonna be half milk line because you only got that little tip left to fill. Right. Especially depending kind of on the shape of your kernels and how they look. But I agree with you, Matt, is half milk line kind of is gonna be a little bit closer to the top than it is way to the bottom. So it'll be Especially if they're
2: deep kernels. Deep deep
1: kernels. kernels. I was even trying to, like, like tear them apart and weigh them or do some sort of, like, get geometry. A, get a metric, to Yes, yeah. and I, you didn't need to go that far. You
2: need, like, a caliper to,
0: like, it, Right, measure. to measure
1: and then measure the... <laughs> get out your micrometer. No. and But I do think half milk is a little tricky. However, it, usually that you can... It doesn't... It's not like it creeps up on you and it's not like it... You can't sort of tell okay we're right at about half it's kind of time to go for silage and so yeah that we talked about that already but i do want to emphasize that's why it's important is in general i mean granted we take whole plant moisture for silage but half milk line is a decent indicator that you're close to ready for silage so not always sometimes it's quarter milk and we're ready sometimes it's three-quarter milk but i wouldn't say it's not that's a good thing to think about too is what are the edges of that? Is is it ever one-eighth milk and ready for silage? Pretty much no. no. You're usually way too wet. And then is it ever past three-quarter milk, you know, and still decent? Nah. usually that it's past its prime. So that is a good help. Like, you kind of watch that a quarter milk to three-quarter milk range, you know, for knowing when silage is ready. Yeah, it'll get you close. Yes, that's a good way to say it. man. It'll get you right in there.
0: Sorry. And... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I'm just, we got a couple of pictures here that obviously the listeners can't see, but um, I do like the the corn now with the the red cobs as opposed to just having the random purple kernels or purple cob, I guess you could call it, and that that just as a visual indicator is really good for milk line. Maybe we should think about that for other varieties. Get a, yes. put, at put least a, a, like a band of kernels uh, that's a different color to really pick it up. Get
1: a refuge corn that's in with it. Now, that is one tricky part, I would say, that it it is, I love the endogen milk line. It's the coolest thing to look at because you got, and we'll we'll have to post it on the Facebook. Yeah, we can put that up, yeah. Because that it's just cool side by side. However, one thing to think about is that marker gene's in the refuge 5%. So it could actually be a slightly different variety than the rest of the corn in there slightly. Is I think how I got it right. So you do have to still look at the milk line of the the sort of non-marker, non-purple cobs and and sort of check. But it's close. I mean, they're going to be right there. So and then Matt, you had a picture of a milk line here too of that kind of like reddish kernel.
0: Yep, had that. Yeah, the red lines in it. Yeah. Yep. And that was a green cordon I was in actually yesterday. That one that one was pushing to, pushing to three-quarters in, yep. in spots. So.
1: One thing I would say, too, is a more silent like a BMR, or more silage varieties. Even though you're half-milk line, you can still kind of feel, how, one, how heavy or how hard those cobs, you could kind of tell a little bit, too. Like even at half-milk line, yeah, there's a little more juice to this yet. Whereas like a more um, starchy, more grain corn, style like some of those cobs like holy man this is half milk but she's solid yeah so it's something else to like watch for when you're trying to decide you know how to how to proceed with harvest
2: there's a color change too you can kind of tell right it is more like a yeah the starchy parts darker yeah yeah. it's like a dull yellow and then as it starches up it gets a little more lesser dull more of a bright yellow color that you kind of equate with a corn kernel
0: again weird thing i do is When it gets down there, you squeeze the kernel to see how much juice is still in there, yeah. almost like popping a zit. I actually do a weird thing.
2: Yeah? So I'll break it in half. I'll take a knife and just start poking Sure, the top of the kernel the... down to the middle. And then as soon as you get the milk to come through where you poke, that's, sure, that's where weird. my line is. Yep. So that's my weird thing, Matt.
0: All right. Go ahead, Todd. Weird thing? I'll eat them. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you remember the guy that you and I would bring cobs and he'd just like oh, mow, yeah. mow the mow whole mow thing down the, like yeah, standing in his parlor like yep. sweet corn, yep. Yep. sweet corn style. He'd have the whole cob gone by the time we were done talking. It's like oh, all right, because he was hungry. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I didn't realize we were bringing a snack. Usually <laughs> it was like <laughs> Yeah, it was rolling around
0: on the floor of the truck. Right. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Go nuts. Here's,
2: here's show and tell <laughs>
0: and a snack for yeah. you.
1: No, especially in when you've got variety splits that I like because you can really tell the difference then of yeah you know Absolutely. the moistures and stuff. The, the pro tip to end with those, make sure you look at the tip of the cob, not the bottom or the butt end of the cob. Cause you, so you've you got to break it in half and then just throw the butt end away. It's like the butt of the loaf of bread.
0: You know, you That's need to look at it. Well, time. you can peel a kernel off the butt. True. true and, yes, you look at it, it, if it if you really want to. But it you always put, want to look, yeah, yeah tip up. But, you, but the tip the, is better. The yeah.
1: embryo, you'd, you'd and, and it's weird because you wouldn't think that would screw you up, but it, it can, I mean. It's like ice fishing, tips up. Yep, yep. tip up. Yep. yep. And then, look, I like bills with the knife because I think that would be a good way, if, yeah. if it's not as distinct, to, to kind of see when the juice starts flowing. So, I just
2: got to carry a knife more, then I'd have more success <laughs> with that, by the way.
0: Can't. You gotta leave like one sharp fingernail, yeah.
2: so yeah. you yeah. stop biting your nails. So you're <laughs> yeah, <doing> good, <laughs> good, good,
1: corn
0: nail. good. All right. Well, there you go. There's a little discussion on the milk line, how it pertains to corn silage, and what it does and what it means for those kernels.
1: It's a good lead-in for for next, for next week. Next week yeah. we're going to talk uh, black layer. So, kind of leading into where we're at now, and then what's
0: coming down the line. All right. Let's move into our spotlight for today. So if you grow soybeans, you know that we had Extend beans that came out first. Then we had Enlist beans that came out after. Two different uh, chemical systems that you can use, traded beans. And has there been a shift, is the kind of point of this article that we're looking at today, from the Extend dicamba system to Enlist? So according to this article... E3 beans took over the top spot as the top-selling soybean technology in the U.S., and with a lot of the issues we've seen and restrictions on dicamba that, to me, is not as surprising as maybe the author of this article finds it, um, there's definitely some limitations with Extend, and so I think that's kind of helped Enlist probably pull ahead a little bit, but there's also enough extend beans out there as well right. that guys are right. holding on to, and if they're spraying their own beans, especially, um, they may be more willing to work with that technology than looking at the enlist. So, um, in general, I, w- I would say we've seen an increase in enlist beans, and I know I've sprayed a lot more enlist in the last couple of years than than extend. But
1: it's too bad because we kind of need these tools, both of them. Right, they're both and like you said the 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 restrictions and the the label requirements for the extend side, it just made it too difficult. And a lot of co-ops wouldn't spray it. You know, there's certain things they, right. just, they didn't want to touch that and they wouldn't spray it. So it was an interesting thing that, you know, and basically this marks the year where it, it was able to overtake it and you'll see how these two technologies go. And I do think both of them, you know, now with extend flexes where you got the Liberty option there, and then E3 kind of always had that, which I like. I think that's yep. a sort of an unsung part of this Enlist technology is that it wasn't just sort of Roundup and Enlist. It was Roundup, Enlist, and Liberty, and you kind of had all three technologies with, with that E3, what they'd call it. And I think the extend getting an extend Flex, is also going to help with a lot more beans going to that. So it'll be, um, be good. I, like I said, I think obviously we always want to change up herbicides and kind of work different things in your plan so maybe one thing to watch is if you're corn you're using some dicamba products there then it maybe would work good to use the 2-4-d products on your beans and switch it up but you know just always having that kind of tandem
0: yeah overall it, it, the kind of rotation of chemical systems is good to help keep the technology around longer and hopefully avoid resistant populations in r- regards to those chemicals so something to think about as we move into our egg history minute for today get to celebrate two things this weekend the first day of fall and my wife's birthday <laughs> so How often does her birthday fall on the first day on of the, the equinox fall. Uh, probably every Few years. I don't yeah. think it's every year, but they said it ranges
1: between the twentieth and the twenty fourth.
0: Right. This is the this so. one seems to move more than like. A, I feel like the first day of summer is it's, always like right. the same. It's odd that this could but even this one move. kind you of think flexes be, more. Yeah. yeah. And maybe we just don't pay attention to the the flex on the early one. I don't know. But anyway, the fall equinox is what we're talking about today. And the first day of autumn arrives on Saturday, September twenty third this year, at two fifty a.m. in the Northern Hemisphere. Staying up. Maybe there'll be some northern lights again. The equinox occurs the same moment worldwide. During an equinox, the sun crosses what we call the celestial equator, an imaginary extension of the Earth's equator line into space. The equinox occurs precisely when the sun's center passes through this line. For those in the northern hemisphere, when the sun crosses the equator going from north to south, that marks the autumnal equinox. When it crosses from south to north, this marks the vernal equinox. In the southern hemisphere, it's reversed. So for us, we're going into fall, and for them, they're going into summer. The word equinox comes from the Latin "aequus," which means equal, and "nox" meaning night. On the equinox, day and night are roughly equal in length. So,
2: it is getting darker a lot. It sooner. is, uh, yeah. It's like seven almost, and now that's about no, it uh, Yeah, it's like seven fifteen,
0: and it's like, ooh, it's dark. Makes your kids go to bed easier though. Fair. <laughs> True. <laughs> Unlike summer when it, it's still light right. out, Dad. <laughs> yeah, well, you still gotta go to bed because it's still eight o'clock at night. Let's go.
1: Well, good. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to all our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. You can search Tilt Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on Android. Go you gotta download an app like Podcast Addict, Podbean, or Player FM. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to com slash podcast. We're also available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. There you're going to find, we'll, we'll post that Enogen Milk Line corn so you can kind of see that for yourself.
0: All right. Thanks, Todd. Now we'll move into our cool beans. That's corny for some current events. So, cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week. AGCO announces Sustainable Test Farm Partnership in North Dakota. So AGCO Corporation has announced plans to build a state-of-the-art test farm in Castleton, North Dakota. The 300-acre operation, dubbed the Dakota Smart Farm, will be a sustainable farm specifically focusing on precision agriculture technologies and high-value retrofit solutions. The Dakota Smart Farm will be Contiguous with other plots at Grand Farm's Innovation Campus, Grand Farm is part of a larger education and research initiative to accelerate technology innovations for farms of the future. Ag co-owned company Aperio, based in Fargo, North Dakota, will lead the farm with agronomists, scientists, engineers, and agricultural experts, experts to execute agronomic studies and host educational tours on sustainable and precision ag farming practices. So it'd be yet another place to go tour, I guess, if they allow tours, as they're developing these new technologies, but kind of cool. We've got a rendering, I and it almost love looks like a renderings. Co- I love college renderings. campus. Of, yes, like,
1: like the, that's the farm shop, and then like where they're sitting, like this amphitheater, but it looks like the most uncomfortable little concrete seat, but you're kind of on grass. I yeah. don't
0: really it's a little, yeah. I don't know
1: what they're trying to do there, which is cool. Welcome to AGU. And then, yeah, the picture's got, like, an autonomous tractor. Yep,
0: Yeah, you can tell the the tractor is cabless. So, And is that, it must be a planter because it looks like a a center, center-fill type planter that's pulling. Or it could be a tillage equipment with a seed box. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Where
1: in North Dakota did
0: it say? Castleton, North Dakota. I didn't, couldn't tell you, yeah, to be honest, what, what part into. of North Dakota that's in. i will bringing up Google Maps here. Maybe it's by Brooklyn. It is. Oh, it's by Fargo. By Fargo, Yeah. yeah. Which they mentioned Fargo in the article, so that makes sense. Yeah, just west of Fargo. So not actually that far from the Minnesota line. So yeah, south of Grand Forks. West of Brainerd. Hopefully far enough from Fargo where no one will get murdered. It's a movie, Todd. Okay. I mean, they
2: didn't ever. They never came out with Fargo, 2, did they?
0: No, they had a TV series, though. Ooh, that was.
1: They make yeah. They make a
2: TV series out of
1: everything. Uh, everything yeah.
0: But yeah, so there you go. That's our cool beans this week. Our that's corny is Lower River Revels, uh, Levels, the sequel. No one wants to watch. So I feel like we just talked about, but last spring, like River Levels were coming up. Things were looking better, and now here we are again. The game time forecast for transportation on the river is not looking I great. Like that game timing, harvest. Right, I like that. Uh, a couple times a year, when it's game time, more than others, and harvest season is one of those periods you need to have supply chain operating in all cylinders. But with the major river levels, specifically those on the Mississippi being lower this year than they were this time last year. the uh, highlights that last year it was historically low, and so, again, we're not really in a much better shape. It's going to have an impact. It means less uh, load on the barges, fewer barges to keep the weight down. Um, when you s- see that, that means things are going to be slower to move. It means backups at your ports, backups at the co-ops probably because they're not going to be able to ship as often. So, yeah, it's just we're we're so
1: lucky we have that river right in the middle of the right, you know, it's
0: a great transportation. Yes, when it's
1: it is unbelievable that that is located basically right in the middle of the Midwest where the where you know where we can move corn, but it is a bummer when it is low. And I was in July, we drove over like the north part in Minnesota, and holy man, did it! It was like it was lowest I had ever seen it, yeah, and yeah, but it's. That's frustrating of something that we can't control, obviously, that way. But
0: well, unfortunately, it, it, the other edge to this sword is the Panama Canal is also low. Okay. So it's 40% of all U.S. container traffic goes through the canal, and since July they've been having longer wait times as low levels, lower levels there have forced reduced traffic. So not only are we slower to ship it to the Gulf, but any container ships going through the Panama Canal are moving slower as well.
2: So we need to time stamp this to go to, like, February or March when fertilizer is coming? Yeah. Like,
1: the opposite? And then that yeah, like, wow. the always still, comes
0: out, yeah. Are we still in that boat? Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> I would say, yes, good use of, of boat. It is a boat that we're in. All right. Now we'll wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. And this week, we're looking at Grain Bin Rescue. We've talked about this before on the podcast, but... Uh, and particular rescue in Minnesota sparked the idea for R three, a first of its kind rescue tool for grain bin entrapment. And R three stands for Rural Rescue. I'm just trying to find it. what's the other part. I missed. I had it in the article. Now I can't find it. I'm re- I don't. Know. I read it too, and I don't remember. Rural Rescue Response. There it is. Yeah, Found response. it. Found it. And uh, so basically, they decided this particular group in Minnesota, in the town of Gibbon, that rather than tr- trying to rely on finding a grain vac when they had an entrapment, they were their fire department was going to have their own, and so they mounted a grain vac on the back of a fire truck. So now... It, it's cool looking, though. Like yeah, Bill's the, looking at my screen here. Yeah, the...
1: the This isn't just like... still of a video, so... It's, it's not just like they took... It is some you know gooseneck trailer mounted it looks like a fire truck style and then they mounted it on i got the guy here gonna explain the trailer matt
0: okay key feature of this trailer is this the grain back
2: this trailer was designed around the grain bin rescue uh, that happens in rural america today this handler grain back has a 37 horse uh, gas engine uh, with four inch tubing capable of moving around a thousand bushels per hour The whole goal of this is the strategy of using a grain vac in conjunction with the grain rescue tubes to simply be strategic in moving that grain around the victim and speeding that process up. The inlet is there, all the operator stations towards the back.
1: So, yeah, just showing, and it's all red, which is cool on, like, a fire truck-style trailer, you know, and got the kind of chrome-plated... Yeah, the diamond plate around it. Yeah, it just looks cool. So they got those,
2: like... Pieces pieces of like sheet metal that they put around them or like the cage, right? That yeah, the rescue right. tube, yep, right. the tube or whatever. And, and now we're just gonna like
0: suck, suck the them out, not the person, yep. right, right. It's yeah. the gray, yeah. It's actually, yeah. They just put it on your head and they <laughs> vacuum suck you right out of the, the just pull bin. you right out. <laughs> uh, so yeah, part of the reason for this was uh, in 2019 in Minnesota, fire and rescue departments dealt with 12 grain bit entrapments. Which eleven of those ended with loss of life. So they wanted to have be able to have quicker response and be able to save more people. In which they decided to that having their own grain vac would greatly improve their chances of rescuing people trapped in bins. So
1: as uh, we're getting more on farm storage in places, and you know the, this having this type of equipment for them to use is great.
0: Said having their own uh, has sped up the process by thirty to forty five minutes. So wow. They've improved what, their wait time immensely.
1: Which there too, you're trained on how to use this specific vac. You're tra- right, so it's you, not,
0: you're not getting a random vac from somebody who hopefully is there to run it for right. you because you've never run that one before. Right. Um, but yeah, so they raised the money, set up the trailer, and now they have their own setup, which is pretty darn cool so that'll do it for this week thanks for being here guys thanks for having us Matt so this week we talked milk line and what that means for the maturity of your corn in our spotlight we took a look at the extend and enlist traits and how that has shifted in the market Ag History Minute the first day of fall or the autumnal equinox is upon us soon cool beans this week a sustainable test farm being built out in North Dakota. Our that's corny was low river levels will lead to slowdown in supply chain. And our field good Friday was the rural rescue response trailer that was set up out in Gibbon, Minnesota with a grain back to help save in farmers trapped in grain bins. Thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming.